Welcome to the Stalk Under Mythics podcast with your hosts, Donnie and Rob. We're here to help you thrive in a world of big data and complex analytics. Welcome to the Stop Animythics Podcast with Rob and Donnie. We are excited to have you here with us today. On today's episode, we're going to talk about um, what is often the difference between perception and reality and how those perceptions uh, can sometimes be shaped by uh, how we identify uh, the groups that we're a part of. And we're going to focus in on some research done by uh, Pew as well as the Brookings Institute and talk about how it highlights this disconnect between reality and perception and how that can differ depending on what group we self-identify with. And we're going to use this as a springboard. We're excited about the next few weeks. Um, We're going to start a series of perception versus reality and try to spend some time highlighting on a series of different topics um, what the data and the information shows compared to how um, we tend to think about these different situations. So we're excited about it. We hope you're doing well. Sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. All right, Rob, welcome to the podcast. I hope you're uh, doing well this week. Everything copacetic where you are? I think so. At least that's my perception. My perception, Donnie, is that things are going well. But is that the reality? Well, that's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> and that's a great segue. Uh, I'm actually really excited. Um, we're going to kick off a new series here today. We're going to talk about uh, perception versus reality and how all those things um, not even sometimes, but are you know often out of alignment. That the way that we um, shape our opinions, uh, particularly about things when it comes to risk taking, how those things are influenced by a variety of things. And um, you know, this is uh, partially spurred by a conversation I had with a bunch of folks a, a while ago. We were sitting around a table, and I, I just remember, you know, all the the folks that were sitting there saying, "Ah, this is so bad in the world, and this is so bad in the world, and this is so bad in the world," and um, and we've talked about this a couple different points, but I find comfort in numbers. And so, um, like most people do, I am constantly <laughs> looking up information and numbers. And um, there were some of those that I had happened to have some, you know, experience with and uh, knew that they were actually trending in a positive direction. And so I was fascinated by uh, why they thought the world was getting better on all those different dimensions. Um, and, you know, you know, if you ever go to a Bojangles or a Hardee's or something and you can sit in there and watch all these old guys sitting around. And they're always, uh, you know, thinking about the good old days and talking about the good old days and how much things, how much worse things are now than they used to be. You ever seen those folks sitting around? Of course, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, it's all going bad. So, yeah. Um, and I actually, for these guys, I, I actually went out and got some of the information and took it back to them, and they were, um, they were, they were really surprised by uh, what the reality of some of those things um, actually was, and so. Um, we're going to kick off a new series. We're going to talk about perceptions versus reality um, and how those things uh, oftentimes are disconnected. And we really want to just take a series of topics and talk about like what really is going on. So, for example, traffic accidents. This keeps showing up in the the context of uh, the pandemic. People like to compare COVID to the risk of actually you know going out and driving. 
And so what really, like, what is the probability of having an accident? What is the probability of uh, dying in a car accident? Or how many of them are there a year? That kind of thing. But uh, even before we get there, Rob, I just want to ask you a quick question. Yep. What are, what are you most afraid of in life? Let's get a little deep here real quick. Oh, wow. Um, oh, probably some unexpected, uh, violent or horrific act happening to my family or me, I, I would imagine. Do you have like any car spe- accident? Yeah, car accident, plane crash, uh, break in at my home, I guess, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for me, um, <laughs> uh, my wife always laughs because when people uh, say, What do you not like to eat? I just say, Boiled eggs, licorice, and fish. Uh, like there's only, only three things, but she knows there's a lot more that I don't like. And uh, she always laughs about it. But uh, when I talk about my fears, my my really deep seated fears, the thing that cause the things that cause me to go sort of irrational, I really really don't like electricity. I don't like lightning, and I don't like snakes. Okay, those all make sense to me. But I but I think about it, and um, you know, in reality, like what should I be worried about? Probably I should probably be worried about heart disease, but. Um, I don't necessarily eat the things that I should on a regular basis. Um, I, I shouldn't even say I, I don't eat the things I should <laughs> on a regular basis. Um, I don't exercise like I do. I don't protect myself. Cancer is another thing that is uh, a leading cause of death. I mean, there, there's a whole series of things which are uh, real and present dangers. And um, I know if I go look at the real numbers that those three things um, are certainly not um, anywhere near the top of the list in terms of things that are likely to um, you know, cause me harm. But um, the thing is, is I have uh, personal experiences with all three of those things. Um, you know, when I was a little kid, um, I don't know if you ever had this unfortunate uh, thing happen to you, but when I was a little kid, I had a Mickey Mouse nightlight and I was uh, trying to plug it in and I had my finger on the post, the little metal piece that goes into the socket. Yep. And, um, you know, if you are familiar with electricity at all, like when you have your finger on the post, you put your post in. Um, it'll zap you. It'll um, you'll get a little jolt of electricity, and, and I, uh, I I got a jolt of electricity, and I just remember that being like the worst feeling in the entire world. And ever since then, I've been deathly afraid of anything to do with electricity. <laughs> like I just can't even stand the thought of messing with it. Yeah, well, that could kill you, just like lightning and just like snakes could kill you. But I'm guessing you spend an inordinate amount of time thinking about those than you do about heart disease and the things you should be worrying about. Right. I do. Yeah. And, and just completely avoiding electricity and and like, like, like lightning, like if it's, um, I I mean, I've, (laughs) I've been, I've been underneath so many lightning strikes. It's just crazy. Like I, when I was a kid, we had a dogwood that was right in front of our window uh, behind the TV and I was sitting there and all of a sudden the hair on my arm stood up and there was this, and there was this ball of like fire that came through the window seemingly and the TV blew up and that actually happened <laughs> twice. And then uh, we were at a baseball game one time and it had so close, the fence got energized and, Whoa. Um, you know, we used to set out uh, part of, uh, part of the ritual of being on a farm and sitting on the, you know, back porch on a regular basis. We used to sit out there and there's a huge walnut tree and, uh, you would just sit out there during a thunderstorm. My grandfather loved to do this and just watch the lightning and it would hit it. It would just right in front of you on a pretty regular basis. And so again, I developed a a really strong fear based on my, you know, experience with it, right. Based on being close to it and 
um, just having sort of this innate property that made me sort of fear what it was and what it was about. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I've never been that close to lightning strike. So I, I, I think you would, you would definitely get a healthy respect with, with your experiences. And what about snakes? Are you a big snake fan? Uh, not, no, I, I definitely, uh, fearful of them. Yeah. It's one of those things where, um, you know, people love to cite the statistic that, you know, mosquitoes are a lot more deadly than snakes. Right. Um, but, uh, snakes are, you know, again, grew up on a farm, was around them on a regular basis. And there's actually some evidence that most people have an innate fear of things that are shaped like and move like snakes. And so, oh yeah. Yeah. I'm going to chalk that one up to uh, sort of core psychology more than right, right. Uh, me being, uh, you know, less than uh, stand upish on that stuff. But, um, but anyway, so, you know, those are my biggest fears, but you know, the reality, and, and I know this intellectually, like I, I know intellectually that those are three things that are actually not likely to impact me directly um, or, um, you know, cause me to, you know, face death anytime in the near future. And the things that really could do that, um, I don't spend nearly the amount of time that I should actually trying to prevent or thinking about or or doing the things necessary to sort of stave those things off. And and I think about this on a regular basis, and I'm always, uh, you know, just kind of confused and challenged because, again, I like to think about myself as a rational human being going about the world, trying to gather information and make the most rational decisions I can. But in reality, I don't. Uh, in reality, I don't spend the time and energy I should um, worrying about the things which are actually the biggest risk and doing things to try to deal with those. Um, what I do is I spend my time um, always looking at every corner of my eye every time I walk outside trying to avoid snakes and then going inside whenever there's the possibility of a thunderstorm and never doing anything with electricity because I think all three of those things are much more likely to come and get me than uh, than any of the things that really will. And so um, I know for me, there's a big disconnect between my perceptions of risk um, in different activities in life and the reality of the risk of those things in life. And um, I, I just find that fascinating, um, that even though I know those things intellectually, experientially, and the way that I live my life on a daily basis is not aligned um, with those truths. Yeah, I think that's human nature. So why don't why don't we take a break? And when we come back, we can delve into some real world current events. Sounds good. All right. All right, Rob. So we are, um, we're talking again about perception versus reality. And, um, you know, one of the things that we are really bad at as people and that I'm really bad at is actually having an accurate assessment of the likelihood or the probability or the current state of certain things in life because, again, we tend to really rely on our experiential, our personal experiences, like the things that we have seen, the things that we have seen, touched, felt, any of those kinds of things. We tend to rely on those experiences more than we do, um, you know, the broad set of information that might be available to us in the world. And so, um, you know, perception versus reality is uh, is a big deal, right? Because, you want to do things, or at least I want to do things um, that are aligned with the reality of the risk associated with them or in line with the reality of how often or how likely they are to occur. Um, but I definitely don't do that on a regular basis. And so um, we, we've had some conversations about this, and there's been a lot of conversations about 
um, different perceptions of, uh, you know, what's going on in terms of the COVID-19 pandemic and how different uh, folks uh, perceive that uh, in different ways. And so um, you and I have both spent a little bit of time reading over some research. There was a Pew Research um, report that actually came out talking about some of this stuff. There was uh, a Brookings Foundation with the Templeton um, group that actually had another report, another set of surveys uh, talking about this. And uh, I find it really fascinating how different groups of people perceive um, the risk associated with the pandemic, the likelihood of various outcomes in the pandemic, um, and then just what we should do about the the various sort of interventions that we could implement in terms of, uh, you know, fighting the pandemic. Yeah. And I, I, uh, ch- I clicked on the links you sent me and these, these polls were, were fascinating. So I think it's going to be one of these times where we can say like, you know, my, my favorite words, I was wrong. You could say, Hey, you know what? I might've been wrong about this, but for those of you who like to say that the other side is wrong, you're going to get your chance too, because chances are the people you've been talking about that are wrong about the pandemic, you know what? You're right. They are wrong. But unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, you might be, too. So, Donnie, why don't you take us through some of the some of the stuff you found? Yeah. But just just to highlight what you said. Right. So for my conservative uh, Republican sort of leaning friends <laughs> who think that the liberal Democrats are entirely wrong about the pandemic. Guess what? You're right. And for my liberal Democrat friends who think all of the conservative Republicans are wrong about various aspects of the pandemic. Guess what? You're right. Right. It turns out that no one has a monopoly on correctness, even though both sides think they're more correct in terms of their perceptions of what's going on. Um, both sides are wrong. And and that is um, that is just a crazy, crazy thing. Right. That um, both sides of the political spectrum hold beliefs about the pandemic that are entirely wrong um, that are entirely disconnected from what's actually going on in reality. And so. Um, I do think it's interesting to talk about some of those things. And, you know, one of the the sort of top level ones that my um, conservative friends will appreciate is when you think about, um, you know, the likelihood of being hospitalized um, uh, as a result of COVID-19. Um, and, you know, one of the the things they did is they asked, you know, different kinds of folks, Republicans and Democrats, what do you think the probability of being hospitalized actually is? And it turns out, um, that it's probably somewhere between one and 5% chance on average, right? So one to 5% of the people who get COVID end up in the hospital. Certainly it's higher for folks who are older or have underlying conditions, but it's about a one to 5% chance. And uh, when you go look at it, Rob, do you, uh, you want to talk a little bit about the differences in terms of the perceptions between Democrats and Republicans on that? Yeah, I thought it was fascinating. So if you're, if you are left-leaning, if you would consider yourself a Democrat or left-leaning, what would you have thought before Donnie gave you that answer as far as how often COVID patients need to be hospitalized? It turns out that they thought that they, you would have to be hospitalized. So 41% of them thought that it was 50% or more. So a good chunk of Democrats thought that if you got COVID, that 50% of the time or more, you had to be hospitalized when the actual number, like Donnie said, was between one and five. And that is way off from reality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is way off. But now here's the other side of the thing. Um, it, it It isn't as though Republicans on average got the number right either, right? I mean, so a right. majority of Republicans also thought the probability was much higher than it actually was. That's true. But we're, we're looking at differences between 
people from their worldviews, right? If you're coming at it from the right or from the left. So you'd think that if we were rational and we were all watching the same news, we're all getting the same information that, yeah, we could be off, but we would, we'd probably be off together, but they're off separately. I mean, the, the way it diverges between right and left leaning is what's fascinating. Yep. Right. And so both parties, people who self-identify as being right-leaning or left-leaning, both are off. They both overestimate the risk associated with being hospitalized from a COVID-19 pandemic. But the uh, left-leaning democratic part of the world overestimates it by more, whereas Republicans and um, right-leaning folks estimate it to be over by less. But they both do overestimate. And so um, you're right. It, it is just fascinating that, you know, if you're a conservative, you're like, hey, I told you, I told you those liberal Democrats were, um, you know, worried about nothing and sort of overestimating the uh, probability that someone's going to end up in the hospital. But the Republicans were doing it, too, just by not as much. Right. And so um, it is just interesting to see those differences that both are wrong, but Republicans and Democrats are wrong by different amounts. And in this particular case, Republicans on average are a little bit closer to the reality of the situation. Um, the other thing I thought was fascinating is if you look at um, a comparison, right? So one of the challenges that we have as humans is even if we're presented with information about the risk of something, like we don't know what that means in any sort of absolute term, right? So you have a 10% chance of this happening. Should I be worried about it or should I not be worried about it? And the problem is, is we don't know, right? Like we, we try to relate it to other things. And so one of the other fascinating things I think that is, um, you know, comes out of some of these surveys is if you ask people um, on both sides of the political spectrum, do more or less deaths result from COVID than flu, auto accidents? What do you think? And in this situation, um, you see kind of the opposite set of results. Right. Correct. So in this in this one, and this this wouldn't surprise you if you know how Republicans uh, have been thinking about the pandemic. Now they underestimate how deadly COVID is in comparison to what you just mentioned, uh, car crashes or the flu. So they're gonna they tend to downplay COVID and they tend to think that it kills fewer than the flu or vehicle crashes, where in fact it kills 15 times more. So they were way off in underestimating this time. And so it flip-flops, right? So when it comes to yeah. the it comes to the probability of actually being in the hospital, um, Democrats uh, or left-leaning folks tend to overestimate more the probability of in the hospital. Um, when it comes to the death rate relative to um, you know the flu and auto accidents, then the folks who are uh, right-leaning Republican tend to um, underestimate the death rate by quite a bit. And so, you know, 40.5% of Republicans think that there were more flu deaths than COVID deaths. Um, you're more likely to die from the flu than, than COVID. Um, whereas only 13% of Democrats had that same perception. Um, and then when it came to uh, auto accidents, it was about 40% of Republicans said that more people died from auto accidents and only 17% of Democrats. And it, it's clearly, um, you know, that there's any percent of either one of the parties that believes that is a is a um, is a bit of a challenge because uh, if you think about uh, auto accidents, thirty to forty thousand a year in the United States, 
um, 570 some odd thousand people have died from COVID in a little over a year. And so, and it continues to go, uh, you know, up. And so it's a magnitude, um, you know, magnitudes higher your probability of dying from COVID than from dying from an auto accident. And when you look at the flu, in the worst case year, we maybe had 90,000, which is um, a few years ago, uh, we had a particular strain that was particularly virulent. But even before that, it's usually much lower. And so again, you're talking about magnitudes more in terms of your probability of dying from COVID than dying from the flu or from auto accidents. And so um, again, it flips. It flips to the other side of the situation where um, Republicans tend to be more incorrect about this one than do the folks who are Democrats, whereas in the prior, it was the Republicans who tended to be more correct than the Democrats. Right. Fascinating, depending on what side you're on. The other thing I find fascinating, though, um, is uh, – well, so there's three things I find fascinating. Number one, Republicans and Democrats are both wrong. <laughs> I mean, neither one of them <laughs> has it perfectly. Um, and number two, Republicans and Democrats switch – or or more wrong about different elements of how this thing plays out, right? And so right. Um, it, it's just fascinating to me. But the, the third thing that I find fascinating, the, you know, one of the surveys, the one that was done by Pew Research, um, they actually looked at it over time. So they looked at it in March of uh, 2020. Um, they asked a series of, you know, questions. <clears throat> and then they looked at it in February of 2021. So um, they asked some similar questions in 2020, um, that they did in 2021, so basically a year apart. And, uh, you know, it's really interesting that when they ask things like, uh, you know, um, what should be done, what are, what's necessary to address the coronavirus outbreak, um, asking people to avoid gatherings in large groups. In March of 2020, um, 82% of Republicans and 92% of Democrats said uh, that you should do that, and, you know, it was fairly close. Fast forward a year to February of 2021, and it's 56% of Republicans and 93% of Democrats. So Democrats became more likely to say it's something that should be done in order to combat the pandemic, whereas Republicans became much less likely to say that uh, it's something you should do to combat the pandemic. Um, limiting restaurants to carry out. Uh, initially, uh, you know, there was some difference. So 78% of uh, Republican-leaning folks um, said that it's something that should be done. 91% of Democratic-leaning folks said something should be done. And in this case, they both went down um, as of February 2021, uh, but only 23% of Republicans, but 74% of Democrats said that that's something that should still be done in order to help combat the pandemic. And so, you know, that's a uh, that's, that's more than a threefold difference in terms of the percentage of Democrats and Republicans that say you should do that in order to help um, combat the pandemic. Wow. Again, fascinating. But and but I think that's what we would expect to see, even if we don't look at numbers. We just just gauge the the popular opinion of of what's going on and what we hear. We would expect that over a year because what are the Democrats saying? Right, the, the pandemic, it, the sky is falling. You know, it's, this is an overgeneralization, but the sky is falling. This is the worst thing, it, it, the worst thing ever. And the Republicans are saying, what? It's it's not that. It's not even as big a deal as the flu. So I think over the course of a year, that's, it's not surprising that those numbers would shake out in that direction. I think it's surprising to me, the difference between the two, not the direction, but how big a difference. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, like, like how do these things develop? Like why, um, why, why is there, like, there, there is a reality, right? There, there is a reality around some of these numbers. Like there is a, 
probability that we can obtain by looking at all the information that we have of what your probability of being hospitalized is. Um, there's a number that we can obtain in terms of how many people have died from COVID and compare it to um, other numbers that have been obtained in terms of auto accidents and um, <clears throat> auto accidents and uh, flu deaths. So it's it's the information is available. It's actually publicly available for all of those things. Um, but even still, both Republicans and Democrats' perception is much different than the reality. And there are differences in how far they are off between Republicans and Democrats. And it's not as though one is more correct than the other. They switch and flip-flop depending on what the question actually is. And then those opinions appear to have, uh, you know, shifted over time um, in ways that, you know, they went in disparate ways, right? So Democrats went one direction, Republicans went another. And so the question is, given there is a reality, like, why does that happen? Like, what, what, what is going on? What do you think are the dimensions and the factors that are actually, um, you know, driving what's going on in terms of those differences of perceptions? Oh, it's what we always talk about. In my opinion, it's, uh, it's your group. You know, the, the, it's the media you consume and the group that you are a part of. And so if your group is starting to say like that the pandemic is not that bad and all you do is reinforce that with going to right wing media, then you are going to, I think, get more firmly entrenched in, in that opinion and dig in and then just keep reinforcing it and have a stronger opinion about that. And, and uh, likewise, on the other side, all you're seeing are the are the, the the death toll numbers, and you're not looking at the small businesses being hurt, um, and you are consuming media which just which just keeps saying how bad it is, and we need to keep locking down. You're going to get firmly entrenched with that opinion, and so I think it. I think it's the echo chamber we talk about, and I think it's the in group. Uh, those are the two biggest things I think. Because like you say, the information is out there, but no one seems to be looking at that. We're just listening to our friends on our team and then molding our opinions to that and going out and acting like we know everything where you just taught us we don't. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think that is 100% true. Um, I also think there's a the few other um, things that might be contributing to this. And so... One of the uh, interesting things is that different um, different people have different risk tolerances, right? Let's just call it, and most of the time it's called risk aversion, but let's just call it risk tolerance. Like different people are willing to accept different levels of risk um, in different scenarios and different situations. And, you know, there's kind of a distribution of those things. Like for, for me, for example, I would never go skydiving, but there are people who would, right? And I, I wouldn't go skydiving because it's just not a risk. Um, that I'm willing to take for the benefit of what I think would be a horrible feeling. Like I hate the <laughs> feeling, a feeling of my stomach being in my throat, right? Like I, I'm right. not like the equation for me as a human being is to not go skydiving for someone else who loves that feling of falling and, you know, riding rides and doing that kind of thing. Um, and who doesn't sort of have a perception that it's a very dangerous activity to jump out of a perfectly good airplane like for them, the equation goes in the other direction, right? And so um, one of the things is, is that even if you have the same information, we just have different risk tolerances and different preferences and kind of different equations uh, that we're solving in our head on a regular basis. And so um, those individual differences are important. 
And you might say, well, okay, well, how does that, you know, deal with Democrat versus Republican or left-leaning versus right-leaning? Um, the reality is that there's kind of a filtering mechanism um, that it exists between the different political parties, right? It's, it's not a random uh, occurrence. People don't randomly choose Republican, randomly choose Democrat. There are certain characteristics that tend to attract certain kinds of people with certain kinds of risk tolerances and certain kinds of um, values and certain kinds of opinions. And so um, you would expect just because of the sorting effect um, that you might see some of those differences, even just because it attracts a different distributions of individuals with different risk tolerances and different <clears throat> values and tastes and those kinds of things. And so um, that I think is also part of it is that you just get a sorting effect, different people with different characteristics are sorting into the two different groups. Um, that said, I think the other thing that you are talking about is entirely true. There's, um, you know, there's the motivated reasoning aspect of this. And so, you know, if I talk to the people who are zealots about jumping out of airplanes, they think they're right, right? There's sort of a certain um, righteousness that they have in their their belief. And for me, not jumping out of an airplane, there, there's a certain righteousness that I have in that, right? Like I, like, I believe that's the right answer because for me, it is. They believe that jumping out of an airplane is the right answer because for them, it is. And so, once you have that belief, again, you go searching for information that sort of is biased in the direction that you believe. And so that helps you to continue to rationalize ways to say that you're right and to enforce your opinion. And so um, you have this initial sort of sorting effect. And then you have individuals who on average hold a certain belief and certain set of preferences and a certain risk tolerance. And so they go and sort of continue to rationalize and collect information that supports their opinion without um, being able to look on the other side of, uh, you know, of what's going on. And so um, I think that's also part of it. Um, there's another aspect, which is um, bounded rationality, right? Um, and this is, uh, this is interplays with uh, our experiential uh, data. Um, we don't have the time or the mental capacity to understand all of the information that exists in the world. And we do not have the mental capacity to talk about or think about all possible outcomes. And so economists and social scientists think about this concept of bounded rationality, which is, you know, a lot of times um, we have to cut, create shortcuts, right? We have to um, kind of offload some of the cognitive and, um, you know, time burdens that we would take on if we were to search for and try to find the best answer to everything. And so, not only does uh, motivated reasoning cause us to go to certain media outlets and go to certain sources of information, but because we have this bounded rationality, there's a lot of things which we just farm out, right? We're just going to take the opinion of our group, um, not only because it's our group, but um, because they're in our group, we trust them more. We believe they're, they have the same sort of values and intentions we have, and we have that sort of biased search process, but we just don't have the time, energy, or effort to be able to go out and research every single thing that comes up. And so um, because we have that bounded rationality, because we have, um, you know, an inability to do everything, um, we outsource it. We outsource it. And so um, we do start to rely on a lot of these folks who are uh, sort of primary members of the groups we're a part of to help shape our opinions. And so over time, you start with the sorting effect. And then you have motivated reasoning and you have bounded rationality and you have 
um, this bias search process and you have these people who are espousing one perspective or another perspective and you can kind of start to see how there starts out being a difference, but it only compounds itself over time because of the way that we search for and process information. And so you show up a year later and the, the gap is just much bigger than it was even, you know, six months or 12 months ago. Right. Because we've been surrounded by our friends with those opinions, right? Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. And so there was the, the other one was the, uh, from Brookings, right? Yep. Uh, similar, similar, similar polls, similar questions and similar findings. And the, the conclusion they came up with was information diet plays a crucial role, not just some little role, but a crucial role where you're getting your information tends to be a, a huge factor in where you fall on these, on these questions and how far off you are with perception versus reality. And I thought one of the most fascinating things in that one was just among Fox viewers. Okay. They compared how people felt people that tended to watch Sean Hannity more than Tucker Carlson or vice versa. Right. And it turns out that um, at some point during the pandemic, Tucker Carlson was saying that even though he was on Fox, that you got to watch out for this virus. It's a pretty dangerous thing. Right. Same network Fox, Sean Hannity was downplaying it much more. Right. So now we have Republicans. I mean, we are, we're talking same in group and it turns out that the people that watched Carlson tended to have a little more fear of the virus than the people that watched Hannity. And these are the same teammates, so to speak. Right. So yep. I think that the, the finding uh, from Brookings that the information diet plays a crucial role. I think that is that, that was my biggest takeaway where you're getting that information from. And I think that goes right along with what you were saying about, you don't want, you, you got to lessen that cognitive load. I mean, this information is out there for all of us. But where we get our information from is probably the biggest, biggest player here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, I think it, it is fascinating. Like, like all those things are in play, right? Like the individual differences that we have in terms of risk tolerance, preferences, values, and those kinds of things. We start out with those and then we filter into groups that kind of share more of those than don't. And because we become part of those groups and because we have a motivated reasoning in the first place, we search for information uh, that supports the opinions that we already have. And then um, because we have bounded rationality and limited time and all those other kinds of things, we um, don't challenge uh, what information we're actually getting and because we're, uh, you know, motivated reasoning. And so um, we kind of create these echo chambers and you begin to sort of see the spread in terms of differences of opinions and differences of perspectives, even though there is a fundamental reality underlying it, right? And so I think the challenge is, right, you could you know, if everybody understood the relative risk of a car accident versus um, dying from COVID, you could then have rational conversations about, okay, but this is how much risk I'm willing to take. And somebody else will say, this is how much risk I'm willing to take. But instead of working from a consistent set of facts, which there are really facts in this case, um, people are um, changing the facts or um, biasing their understanding of the facts in order to support their position. And so instead of it becoming a conversation about different levels of risk tolerance, it becomes a conversation about what reality is. And I just find that the most fascinating thing. And the thing that I find the most fascinating is if whatever side of the spectrum you're on, if you believe the other side is wrong, you're right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. 
Like you're right. I mean, like, so if you're a liberal and you think the conservatives are wrong, you're correct. If you're conservative and you think the liberals are wrong, you're correct. And then even inside of that, if you, uh, whatever side of the spectrum you're on, if you believe the other side is more biased than you, you're right. It just depends on what the question is and what piece of information you're actually looking at. And so it all comes back to this really amazing thing, which is most of the time we are interacting with the world using a set of perceptions that may or may not, and often are not aligned with the reality of what's actually going on. And, you know, sometimes that doesn't have really big impact. Like if I'm super afraid of snakes, then I just try to avoid snakes. But sometimes it has a really big impact when it comes to the decisions we make for our health, when it comes to the decisions that we make uh, around public policy, when it comes to um, the way that we, uh, you know, create fissures and relationships because we believe there's a different reality than the other person's talking about. And so I think there's a fundamental understanding we need to have, which is we're all wrong. <laughs> doesn't matter who you are or who you're talking about. We're wrong. We're just all wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're wrong. You're all wrong. I love it. So today's episode is really just setting up a conversation um, about a series that we're going to enter into. And I, I'm super excited about it because I think, um, you know, I want to learn. Like I, like I want the the reality of the situation in my mind to be as close to the reality of what's actually going on that it possibly can be. And um, so we're going to do a series and we're going to do a series on uh, a bunch of different topics uh, related to perceptions versus reality. Um, some of them will be relatively benign. Like uh, on the next episode, we're going to talk a little bit about traffic accidents and uh, traffic deaths and what's going on in the United States and how those things have been trending and what some of the you know, reasons why some of those things are trending in certain directions. And um, we're also going to dive into uh, some more um, potentially controversial issues. And, uh, you know, one of the things I think you were you were pointing out and we were talking about is that uh, part of the Pew research was not just about the covid um, but it was about a bunch of other things as well in terms of how people view their importance or whether they're big issues or not. Right. And some of the issues they were talking about was how Republicans and Democrats view priorities for the, this upcoming uh, administration, uh, the Biden administration in Congress. And should they deal with things like issues about race or how much to spend on military, global climate change and reducing the budget deficit and the those numbers fell predictably along party lines, but were also fascinating as to how important these people thought these issues were. Yeah. And there, and there's just big divides. And, and so um, we're going to try to wade into these things. Like some of these issues are relatively controversial, um, but we're going to try to wade into these things in a non-political way. What we're going to talk about is just what, what information is there about these various issues. So, um, instead of talking about what we should or shouldn't do, we just wanted to sort of ground ourselves in the information, ground ourselves in the data, um, so that we as individuals, as we go about conversations on these different issues, as we um, talk to various folks about them, we can at least have a sense of where uh, the reality of the world actually is versus the perceptions. And again, this is a much, as for me, this is as much about educating myself as it, is it about um, trying to educate anybody else. Yeah, that's for sure. I, and one thing I'll admit is I, I like to say that I, I try to consume media from different sources. I try, you know, as part of this podcast, I 
I, I listen to both sides. I try to be in the middle, but I, I admit I, before I read this, I would have been wrong on these just because I try to do that. And this information is out there. I would have been wrong on the, on these polling questions too, as far as the accuracy of what the reality is. I mean, it, it happens to all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, on our last episode, I, I sort of admitted um, being wrong about roundabouts. And so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, um, and by the way, I'm going to, I do want to create some merch um, with a shirt that says yeah. I heart roundabouts. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll start putting those out sometime soon, but, uh, but, um, but I, but I was wrong about that. But I, but I think the interesting thing is, is that we're all wrong, right? Like, like we're all wrong. Like whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you're wrong. Um, whether you think the other side is wrong, you're right. Um, if you think you are, um, you know, if you think the other side's more biased than you, you're right, but they're also right that you're more biased than them on certain things. And so, um, really, we just want to level set and just talk about what some of this information actually is. Um, and again, we're just trying to, um, you know, equip ourselves with the right information and um, also, uh, again, try to fight some of these anamythics, some of these things that become so tightly held, but are not necessarily based on the um, the most uh, unbiased, true information that there is on a particular subject. So I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be fun. Again, we'd love to have people on if you have a particular uh, you know, one of these issues that you're interested in, if you have any insights, if you have anything that you would um, want to talk about, um, feel free to reach out to us at the Stop um, Animethics uh, email, which is animethics at gmail.com. Um, we will respond as quickly as we possibly can. Um, and we'd love to have anybody. Well, I shouldn't say we'd love to have anybody, but uh, we'd love to have folks who are interested in uh, in talking about some of these things and uh, to be able to sit down and discuss in a rational way, different perspectives on, on these different issues. But uh, I'm looking forward to it, Rob. And uh, I really, again, do appreciate all your time, energy, and effort um, on this podcast. Um, and I'm looking forward to uh, learning some things over the next several weeks and uh, just really trying to get a better understanding of what's really going on in the world on some of these things. Yeah, me too. And I know you like to call it perception versus reality, but I think I'm going to take to calling it, you're wrong, but oh crap, so am I. How does that sound? Can, can <laughs> that we go? Can we great. go with that? All right. Yeah, I think we should create a little song like "I'm wrong, you're <laughs> wrong, we all wrong." Let's just get wrong together or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. We'll get we'll get a better gene. We'll have one. that song written by the next one. That sounds great, man. Well, I hope you have a great week, and uh, for everybody listening, we hope you have an incredible week. We hope you stay happy and healthy, and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Have a great one. It's like food for your ears.